0: That's good stuff. Look, I think I think it's I think we need to establish uh, you know some sort of set of expectations here for this show and this program. Uh, we're going to try to do our best to pull back the curtain on some of this stuff. You know, maybe you're wondering, uh, you know, how how the Lions came into contact with Brad Holmes, right? Okay, well, we'll do our best to pull it back. Maybe you want to talk about Rocket Mortgage Classic down at Detroit Golf Club. We're going to pull that back too. You want you want to talk to somebody who knows exactly uh, about seeding in the in the college basketball uh, tournament, March Madness. You want to know about it? Let's pull it back. So Nick and I were talking. Who do we talk to? Well, let's just uh, you know three birds one stone and uh, talk to our guy Mark Hollis, VP of Business Development at Rock Ventures. He's had his hand in everything, uh, and he is here on Sports Wrap tonight with us. Mark, what's up?
1: Chris, it's uh, it's great to talk to you this evening. For those that uh, that are celebrating Happy Easter, and uh, we wind down this this uh, Sunday and and head into another busy week in sports.
0: No doubt about it, and it all starts tomorrow with the national championship game in college basketball. And look, I mean, there has been so much said about. Uh, the selection committee right I, I don't think there's ever I don't think you ever go on un, unflawed here I, I think there are always times when everybody can be hypercritical of seeding, and, and it could happen this year Loyola Chicago uh, you know in terms of Ken Palm in terms of defense um, you know there was some head scratching on on why they were seated there or you know certainly I mean heck look to UCLA Uh, you know, knocking off Michigan state as, as the first four team uh, playing. And then, you know, they knock off Michigan. I mean, they were a team obviously uh, that caught fire literally at the exact right time. They lost four straight games coming in. I'm wondering if you can kind of, as, as somebody who sat on the selection committee was, was a former chair of it uh, during your time at Michigan state. I wonder if you can kind of just give us a look at, at what happens in those decisions and is there a perfect, uh, you know, formula into seeding these teams? (laughs)
1: <laughs> Absolutely not. There's not a there's not a perfect formula, and I, you know, I think as you look back, I spent five years on the committee that that were considered, you know, relatively normal years. Last year, Kevin White, uh, the athletic director at Duke, was the chair, and and the the stress and and the decision making that had to go into last year, I can't even imagine. And this year, Mitch <laughs> Barnhart, you know, led the committee with Kentucky, and. You know, in, in a normal, what you call a normal year, you have teams that, that come from different conferences that play different types of schedules that, that don't have a lot of head-to-head comparisons, and it's it's tough in the most normal circumstances. When you look at this year, uh, when you look at uh, the breaks that took place, I was a huge, when I was in the room, you know, I was a huge observer of uh, what streaks look like. When a team had to play, you know, let's say four or five, top 25 teams in a row, I would look at that differently than, than four top 25s that took place over the course of the year. But as they look at metrics, you know, metrics are a guide. I think they get, you know, a little bit um, overused or overinflated. You have to have a mechanism that sorts the teams uh, in some ways. But the, the the answer to your question is, it had to be one tough year. I think when you end the tournament, with two number one seeds in the championship game uh, you kind of have to say, Hey, you know, we did a pretty good job. It's, it's got the right teams. The the cream of the crop always, always tends to rise, but there's always going to be those um, those teams that, you know, have done something special like a UCLA, like a Loyola, like a a Syracuse. It's, it's what makes the tournament, the tournament. If, if, if it, if it played out as chalk, it, it it wouldn't be fun, right? It just would be Mm -hmm. a, a ho hum event, but it's those upsets and those those storylines that that really make the NCAA tournament so special.
0: But you know, I think it goes also a little bit to the fact that there are really good players, there are really good programs, and 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 uh, you know, head coaching jobs that are being done all across the country at every level. Uh, whether you're you're a, a small major, whether you're obviously you know a, a, a powerful D1 blue blood. Um, you know, so it, I I kind of take it almost as like the Cinderellas. It's not always a, like a matter of surprise. Like these teams, while they may not play a lot of the you know Dukes or Michigan States or or North Carolinas or what have you, they are playing you know really good competitive team basketball in a lot of cases.
1: Yeah, that's what's fun about basketball is you know you put five guys on the floor and, and you have some subs sitting on the bench and um, teams that have you know, budgets that are a mere fraction of maybe what some of the big schools have, have the opportunity to compete. And we saw that this year, you know, maybe more so than any other tournament. I haven't really taken a deep dive into the analytics, but um, having teams beat, um, you know, those from the the Power Five, Power Six conferences in basketball um, was sort of routine this year. And Mm -hmm. that has a lot of positive to say about what the future of, of college sports can be all about.
0: Sure, uh, I'd love to talk with you also about Rocket Mortgage, uh, the Rocket Mortgage Classic down at DGC. I mean, look, obviously last year super weird year, uh, and and Bryson DeChambeau gets gets the the win there, um, but because of COVID there were no fans. Uh, and what I really really liked about what you did last year, um, is a lot of the stanchions, a lot of the the signage w- was up, um, and it gave it a tournament feel. I mean, it really gave it like a real PGA tour feel. Um, Whereas you looked at some of these other tournaments across the country um, and there was nothing. I mean, there were no signage, there were no towers, there there was nothing um, because I think, you know, some of these folks just said, look, we don't have fans. What are we going to put all this stuff up for? Um, I thought what you did at DGC and the the decisions that were made by um, the powers that be, I thought it was really cool because it made it feel like a tournament, made it feel like a real PGA event. Of course it is, but with no fans, that can be a challenge. I think you guys did a fantastic job. I, I'm, I guess I'm really interested to know what the the future holds now for this year, come the summer, the July 4th weekend. Um, what are you guys looking at? Uh, you looking at bringing more fans in? Um, to just kind of talk to me about what the discussions are behind the scenes.
1: Yeah, I think there's a, a couple things to lay out there. One is to go back and, and reflect on the vision that Dan Gilbert had in moving the QL QL National from D.C. to Detroit. It was done with purpose. Um, Mm -hmm. It it was intended, uh, and it it is playing out as uh, allowing the opportunity, one, to um, have the world see Detroit. And you do that through sports, and you do that through a sporting event that brings in PGA Tour players, brings in uh, CDS and and NBC Golf Channel, and allows – individuals that travel here to see detroit um, and allows those that watch it on tv see detroit so dan created that vision dan executed that that vision by by bringing it here jay has been jay Farner has been right along in that as you know the ceo of, of rocket mortgage and making sure that the event impacts the outcome that it has a purpose it's more than sport so when you go to your question about why does it look the way it looks um, you know, the packaging is as important um, as the product, uh, we like to say, are, are around Quicken Loans. And a, as you look at that, when, when folks are looking at Detroit, they know where they are. Uh, they know what they're seeing. Um, they know it's a, it's a big-time event. And um, that that's so much about it, to, to then have the positive impact uh, that we created through changing the course, uh, through generating funds for, for um the, the digital divide that, that exists in Detroit and working with the city of Detroit and, and connect 313 and creating opportunities. Mm-hmm. It's it, it's great that you see the signs, but the signs are are symbolic of, of Dan's vision and of Jay's execution and the work that Jason Langwell and Intersport does. And yeah. I think we have more than 100, uh, 150 individuals across what we call our family of companies that, are committed to the event, work on the event on a, on a very frequent basis and make sure that um, it, it's more than just a PGA Tour event. It's a PGA Tour event that takes place in what I think is the greatest city in America, uh, but one that we want to want to have other individuals see experience uh, for the opportunity to live, work, and play here.
2: Hey, Mark, sure. uh, something you're doing in, in late June before the Rocket Mortgage Classic is the John Shippen. Can you talk to us about what went into that uh that event that you're putting on, what is it?
1: Yeah, we're so proud of that event. John Chippen is, uh, you know, for those that don't know, <clears throat> you should take a t- take some time to uh, uh, to Google John Chippen and see who, who he is and the amazing, um, you know, history and, and storyline that he has, um, you know, as a black in in the game of of golf that um, has had um, you know opportunities to create. Uh, exposure to the game. He did that um, and and did an amazing job. So to have his name on this event that Intersport brought forward, Intersport's um, working very closely with Summer Woods here locally, who's a co-founder of the event, but it's, um, it's an opportunity to bring in the best collegiate and, and professional black golfers into Detroit the weekend prior to the rocket mortgage classic and Summer um, along with Jason, have have made arrangements to have the champions that come out of that um, have an exemption in, in the the male in the Rocket Mortgage Classic. The female team will go on to the to the Dow Great Lakes Bay Invitational, and it, it's just another celebration of golf. It's a celebration of um, uh, diversity in golf. Um, you know, we've we're very proud when when awards are handed out by the PGA Tour when we win. Uh, or, or awarded the Fair Play Award, which, which um, acknowledges uh, diversity and inclusion across the PGA Tour. And we, we come out in year one and, and we're su- successful in, in achieving, you know, many of the marks, but we have, have marks in those areas that we want to reach even higher. It's, it, it's our vendors. It's, it's everybody that's a part of it. So this is just an extension uh, of that, and, and it's very exciting.
0: It's a great event. Uh, we're, we're looking forward to that, too. One other thing I want to touch on with you real quick here, Mark, uh, uh, is you were part of the Lions committee, uh, the Detroit Lions committee that went out and, and basically put out the search for the next general manager, the next coach, and, and kind of put this next regime in place. You and Chris Spielman and Barry Sanders, uh, it, it's an all-star team. Talk to me a little bit about what went into that search process and and kind of the the avenues that you all uh, went down to find you know Brad Holmes and, and Dan Campbell.
1: Yeah, the one thing, you know, it's I've been a fan of the Lions since I grew up in Lexington, Michigan, um, you know, back in the, in the 70s. So, you know, to have the opportunity to play a very small part, um, what I was most impressed with was uh, the process that Sheila, you know, Sheila Ford-Hamp laid out, that Rod Wood uh, pushed forward. Um, it, it was it was an opportunity to be part of a uh, an input of, you know, defining the what, um watching watching the process play out on the who um and and having dan dan campbell you've already seen some some energy and i you know i think it's something (laughs) the community has got to that's the understatement right (laughs) but but you know brad holmes um and and then you start to look at the staff and you start to look at the investment that that is being made it feels different and you know you, you tend when you have coaching changes you always uh, you know, have a level of excitement, this one feels different. And yeah. it, it feels like, you know, everything that's going into it right now is is providing an opportunity. And, and along with myself, the many other uh, Detroit Lions fans um, that just absolutely love this team, I think are, ju- are just waiting for for an opportunity to, uh, to celebrate in an incredible way. And that's what we've got to continue to do is continue to provide that support. Um, but, you know, it, it was fun to be a part of it. It was a very small part. Um, and, um, you know, I'm just excited to see what, what Sheila and Rod and Chris and along with Dan and Brad on a, on a daily basis bring. And I also want to congratulate them on, you know, the vaccination project that they have going on at Ford field and stepping up in a big way. So it's great, great job.
0: Well, I'll tell you what, Dan Campbell almost had me running through my door in my house when I was watching (laughs) that presser. Uh, So, yeah, I I think Lions fans are in agreement that this certainly feels different. Uh, And, uh, look, I I think that they're they're certainly – they seem to be on the right path at the moment. So, uh, look, it's certainly going to be something that we're going to follow and watch. And, and look, you got the draft coming up as well. So we're going to get a good idea of what this, this staff can do. Um, so it's going to be fun to watch uh, Mark Hollis. Always appreciate talking with you. Uh, thanks for letting us steal a couple minutes of your Easter. And uh, I hope to talk to you many times down the road. Thanks so much,
1: guys. It's fun to have you on the air and have the show back on the air. Uh, no great doubt. voice of the great All right, <laughs> <Yeah, laughs> you
0: got it. Mark Hollis, VP of business development at rock ventures, former MSU AD, here on the maiden voyage on sports wrap on WJR. We got a lot more to come. We got tigers too, by the way. I mean, look, Taking two or three from the Tribe early on. That's big. They got knocked around today, but that's okay. Akil Badu goes yard on his first big league at bat. First pitch. Oh, my goodness. Lots to talk about there. More to come on Sports Wrap on Talk 760 WJR. Ah, Tigers got knocked around a little bit at Copa today. 9-3. Uh, but it's not that there was without some electricity, uh, but the good news is they take two or three from the tribe. Anytime you're winning series, uh, that's certainly good news. And the Tigers have done that so far, uh, in their first three games of the year to get all the analysis. There's only one person to talk to, right? I mean, it's very clear uh and former host of this program as a matter of fact Dan Dickerson the voice of the Detroit Tigers with us on Sports rap. uh Dan good av- good evening uh happy easter uh good to talk with you
3: just good to hear that Sports rap name going again
0: <laughs> i know isn't it i know uh so look i mean uh certainly uh, a nice first couple of games for the tigers uh, they get the first couple of wins, they, they get knocked around today. Daniel Norris had a rough out. Um, certainly, this team feels a little different in the first three games. There's a little bit more energy. Uh, there's a little more... Um, it just seems that there's a they're a, they're a lot more uh, aggressive, both at the plate uh, and on the mound. I think that's going to bode well for this team going forward.
3: I do, and I think... Uh, AJ Hinch said it early on, I thought it was a good point. Your team's identity is often caught up in or it's usually defined by managers as how well you run the bases and how well you play defense. Mm -hmm. And just, there's a lot of work that went into being more aggressive on the bases. It's, you know, there's so many little things. Take one example from spring training right toward the end when AJ Hint said, Riley green on a single to right rounded first so hard that the right fielder had to hurry and get his throw in because he was worried he was going to go to second. So what that set up was the next guy single to right field, the guy charged, knew he had to get rid of it in a hurry, bobbled the ball. And that's the whole idea. You're putting pressure on when teams know you're going to always force the issue, you put pressure on them, you cause mistakes, you make them make the perfect throw home. So it is, that's a team identity. And we saw little examples of that in the first two games. But that's the thing for Tigers fans to, to watch as the season goes on. They'll continue to do this. They'll look for any opportunity to force the issue. And that's a good brand of baseball. And then just tight defense. Tigers haven't had a good defense in terms of a team defense for a long time. <laughs> and if you just clean up the basics and then you make some plays in addition to that, I think the outfield defense is going to be a lot better this year, but that's the, probably the biggest area where this coaching staff can have an influence. So it's fun. I mean, it's only a few games in, but you can tell that, that all the things they've been working on are starting to take, help, take hold of these guys.
2: Dan, starting pitching is going to be such a, a big part of this team. Uh, Matthew Boyd got knocked around last year, had a good outing on opening day. Uh, Scuba got the start today to Heron yesterday. What have you seen from the starters so far this season? I
3: think they're, they're, the whole emphasis is on, you know, having a very specific plan and then using your best pitches, you know the most. And Cleveland Indians have led the way in this area, I think, more than maybe anybody, spinning the ball, even with guys with good arms spinning the ball a ton. I, I think the Tigers will do that. You know, maybe not at Tarek school, but you look at what schoolville did today. There's a lot of really good sliders and curveballs in five and a third. Um, I just think that this staff's going to have a big impact on the starters. I think this is a team that's given up, obviously a lot of runs They challenge them right from the start, work deeper into games. Number one, you want a good bullpen. You guys have to go deeper. So challenge accepted. Number two, they give up a lot of home runs, <laughs> both starters and relievers. But that's been, I think, the, the, you know three home runs in the late innings today. But that's where I think you know, the big improvement has to come. And that comes with a better understanding of how to sequence your pitches and how to best use your pitches. The guys who launch are the guys who are vulnerable to that high fastball, and that's why A.J. Hinch stressed that so much during spring training. You have to be able – you don't throw it all the time, but you have to be able to throw it to the guys who launch. And Tiger starting pitchers in the first three games gave up, what, I think it was two home runs uh, in a total of about 16 innings of work. So that's a good start. Um, but those are the kinds of – I just think the, the starting rotation right now is pretty rock solid.
0: You talked about spring training. Akil Badu uh, had a had an off-the-chart spring training to the point where, you know, not, <laughs> not only not only because of the, the rookie five rule, but, I mean, they just couldn't keep him off the roster. Today, first pitch – uh, takes it opposite field, carries the bullpen. Uh I mean obviously there was some electricity around that. Um, but these mm-hmm. young guys are gonna be are gonna be really, really important for this team.
3: They are and I you know so I and mean, what a moment that was. I mean for fans who may not be familiar with it, you're gonna get used to this hearing this kid's name, Akio Badu. I mean, to make the jump from a ball, first of all, that's just amazing. And you're thinking, well, the odds are still stacked against him as good a spring as he had. And then he does that on the first pitch. It's a complete package of tools. It's a major league package of tools. I mean, from the field to the plate, to the plate discipline, to the power. And I'm just really interested to see what he does. I think he's going to be more than just a, you know, guy they're going to try to carry all year. I think he can actually contribute. But it's this is a future major leaguer, and hopefully it's with the Tigers. I'm almost sure it is. It is, they're not going to return him to the Minnesota Twins, but yeah. And then, then, I, you know, the next guy I go to is Willie Castro at short. Everybody's mm-hmm. talking about, hey, look at this free agent class of shortstops next off season, which by the way has been already been subtracted by one with Francisco Lindor. You know, maybe the Tigers could get one of those guys. They might have their shortstop of the future right now in Willie Castro. You know, this guy's going to hit. It's obviously all about the defense. He's already improved from what I've seen through spring defensively. Uh, that that's a big piece right there. Jamer Candelario looks like he can build. Those are three young players right there, but especially that left side of the infield. I want to see Jacoby Jones become a better defender this year. The Tigers have challenged him to become a better defender with some better preparation pre-pitch, and I, I think that's something for Tiger fans to watch because his offense has definitely picked up, and if he becomes back to being an elite defender in center field and is off to a good start, then you really got a nice piece there. You have to have strong defense up the middle, especially at Comerica Park. No doubt. And, you know, if if Castro's rock solid, he's probably never going to be a a real plus-plus at shortstop defensively, but rock solid with his offense, that's your shortstop of the future. If Jones is a plus-plus defensively, which he can be, that's a very, very valuable piece at Comerica Park.
2: Uh, Miguel Cabrera didn't play today, uh, but after opening day, I think he had a pretty enlightening press conference with the media that was uh, shown on television. What do you make of Miguel Cabrera this season? He's chasing some milestones. Uh, what do you think about M- Miggy this season?
3: I love that he did the press conference because I don't think he, he didn't one all last year, and so that was that was great to see. Clearly, he clearly is just I think energized. They they wanted to add some veteran bats around him, and that's why you have Mazzara brought back Scope, and you have. Ramos I mean you you added some veteran bats around him and Robbie Grossman at the top of the order I think that perked him up a little bit and then playing in the field has definitely put him in a better frame of mind and that helps his hitting and I think the big question is can he get back to an above average level of production because it's you know you have to say it's been four years of average production Mm -hmm. in terms of OPS league average can he get back to say an 850 OPS, you know, in his prime, he was 950 plus. Um, I think he can. I think he can. Does he hit at the end of last year, he was hitting fastballs in the upper nineties, punishing them. And then with the hanging breaking balls that he was swinging and missing at, he was crushing those. So early on, we've already seen him take a fastball away and hit on the right field seats. Now, you know, just, laying off breaking balls that were giving him a problem last year. Those are the signs to me that he can be back to being a well above average hitter. But I love everything I've seen. I think AJ has been very, you know, that that's a tricky one to handle, right? A guy in the declining years of his career, a hall of famer. How do you handle that? I think AJ's handled it beautifully.
0: No doubt. Uh, well, Dan, look, I, I very much hope we can get you on throughout the year to to, to continue to talk about uh, hopefully the good things to come for this Tigers team, because I, I uh, you know, I'm not sure that, that they're uh gonna be on the up and up just yet, but the, the foundation is being laid. Now please go get back to the ham and the deviled eggs. We appreciate your time.
3: <laughs> All right, guys. I'll come on sports rap anytime. All right. So <laughs> we'll take you up on it. All
0: right, there he is. Dan Dickerson, the play by play voice of your Detroit Tigers. Thank you, Dan. And happy Easter to you. All right. More to come here on sports rap. Uh, we got to talk, of course, about uh last night's Final Four games. It was unbelievable. We'll talk about that. We'll preview uh, tomorrow's matchup: Gonzaga, Baylor, a couple of chalks, uh, all that and more coming up next on Sports Wrap on WJR. Your championship game is set: Gonzaga, Baylor, a couple of chalks. And, and look, and, and Nick, I you know th- these games last night were, were polar opposites. I mean. Houston and Baylor tight early on, and then you kind of see the explosiveness uh, from the guard spot specifically with Baylor. I mean, they can score at will. Uh, so a tight game early on, and then and then uh, Baylor just pulled away, and then it really wasn't much of a contest. Baylor beats Houston
2: 78-59. Yeah, snooze fest. Yeah. Uh, but the second game, like you oh. said earlier, was maybe oh. the best college basketball game I've seen.
0: Ever? It's it's certainly the best best college uh, basketball game I've seen in a very long time. Yep. Uh, but, I mean, in terms of instant classics, it, it's up there. It, you're talking top three, top two. Uh, Gonzaga beats UCLA 93-90 in overtime. Look, I, I thought it started at the end of regulation. Obviously, it was back and forth. Slugfest, Gonzaga, UCLA going back and forth. Uh, Drew Timmy took the charge. Ooh,
2: what do you think about that call?
0: Uh, Look, I I don't, I don't envy the referee in that situation. I thought it was a good call. I I thought it was a good uh, charge.
2: I think it could have been a no call. I I don't mind the charge. Mm. You don't call a block there for sure.
0: You You definitely don't 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 send him to the free
2: throw line. No, I could have gone. I
0: think that's the reason they made the call.
2: Yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah, I, I could have gone with a no call there. I, didn't I see thought
0: it, it was a, yeah I thought it was a good call I mean Johnny zhujang was was uh, on fire just like he was against Michigan and and buried him uh scored 29 points last night against Gonzaga and 12 but of 18 it, shooting 12 of 18 I mean he was on fire I mean the, he is he's a, an excellent shooter uh but I thought it started with the with the Timmy char or the the, the timmy draw there at the end of uh regulation then it started overtime Timmy took it over. He was scoring. I think he scored six quick points, uh, which shot Gonzaga up again, a couple of back and forth uh, Then you're talking at the end and, and the absolute, uh, stunner at the end, uh, to send that thing. Uh, well, I was going to another overtime, but, uh, Jalen Suggs closed it out with a, with a half point, a half court three pointer, uh, and absolutely destroyed, uh, <laughs> <laughs> the Bruins. And I thought, look, in terms of the back and forth, the the tightness of it, um, it was it was an absolute instant classic uh with with how that game transpired at the end of overtime.
2: Yeah, I, I think the conversation was was it a better shot than the Christian Leitner shot? And I think the general consensus was no, because Leitner was trailing at the time, so it turned a loss into a win. Sure. And also the pass to Leitner also was so perfect, incredible yes. that it, that made that shot even better. Yeah, I, I would,
0: I would, I would agree with that. Uh, but I thought in terms of in just in terms of how that game was going. Um, and then you're looking at another overtime uh, stanza. I just thought it was, I thought it was an excellent, I thought it was an excellent game. Uh, I, I want to give you some of the calls. Uh, you heard it here on WJR courtesy of Westwood one. We want to give you the CBS broadcast because uh, they are, are fantastic.
2: I mean, uh, come okay, on. two things. Major onions with a kiss <laughs> is oh, incredible, best of all time. And and Sean McDonough, I think, was on the West. What yeah. one call? Yeah. Did you kind of get flashbacks or trouble with a snap with the little voice no, creak? I, no, should I not no. bring that up, Chris? No.
0: No.
2: Look, I'm way over.
0: Jalen there. Watts Jackson. Yeah. My, why did you have? <laughs> we were having a nice show. <laughs> we were having a night. Nice, we had nice conversations. Eddie Ugh. Oh, sorry. You know what? I don't. I, you know, whatever.
2: So, yeah, you excited yeah, for tomorrow right.
0: night? Well, there's sports rapper. <laughs> uh, uh, yeah, of course. Yeah, of course. I mean, look, I, I think the, what we've seen throughout the year, it was obvious Gonzaga and Baylor were the top two teams. Um, and, and when you've got kind of clear, uh, you know, the separation at the top. Um, I think it's obvious that you want to see you want to see that at the at yeah. the end. But, you want to go through all of the theatrics in in that beginning and then middle part of the tourney. You love to see it. Uh, certainly UCLA. I mean, look, I don't even know if you can consider them a, a, a Cinderella team. I mean, that team is legit. Yeah. Um where they were ranked it would put him in that category, but obviously Loyola Chicago had a nice tournament. Um but so you like to see the 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 theatrics in the middle, but at the end
2: you want to see the two best teams and I think we got it here. Yeah, uh, and how about before the game all the analysts were saying, "Oh man, for UCLA to compete with Gonzaga, this game needs to be in the 50s or 60s." And it's I'm mean, in the 390. You know, and the other thing too were- is I- I- they were I mean they were in it the entire way had to, they could have won easily yeah and,
0: and I think w- what we saw from U C, like let's go back to the UCLA Michigan game right like Michigan locked them down and they still made some shots but but you, you know uh Johnny Zhujiang had 28 points in that game which means the rest of the, of their team had 23, Tiger Campbell had 11 in that game. I mean, there nobody was scoring on that team. So Michigan locked them down defensively, they just couldn't score. So I think that that was the idea here. If for UCLA to stay in the game, they have to play defense to where they can they can stop these Gonzaga shooters. Um and at the end of the day, they were everybody was able to put it in the basket. And, and and not to be overshadowed, there was some good defensive stands in that game uh, specifically later on when it was getting tight um, I, I don't know. I, I I think I enjoy when you when you get to see and go. Look, it's obvious Gonzaga and Baylor are the two best teams in the country. Let's let's let them let's let them knock each other out here. This is the this is the heavyweight fight.
2: Yeah. So do you have a prediction for tomorrow night?
0: Well, look, I I uh, I I am of the belief that Gonzaga
2: is just a far and away better team than than Baylor. So Gonzaga is favored uh, on FanDuel by four and a half points. Yeah, I'll take that. We're taking that. you take Gonzaga. Yeah. Yeah, Gonzaga give him over Over-under is uh, 159.5. So you're scoring in the 80s. You need both teams, 80s to like 80 to... Yeah. 82 to 80 or something like that. Well, you know, I don't love over-under bets
0: in these situations because it feels so unpredictable. I would have told you to take the under in the UCLA-Gonzaga game. But I, for me, um, yeah, I mean, I would, I, I would go the over there. I mean, I think these teams are going to score. I think these
2: teams are going to score. I, I take I, the look, under. You're going to take the under. Yeah, I just think right. maybe the nerves of playing for a championship gets to them a little bit. That's a lot of points. Granted, they can is, score. I mean, we just saw I mean, it last night they could score in the 90s, easy. But
0: interesting. All right, well, uh, that's tomorrow. And by the way, you can hear it right here. On WJR at 8 o'clock, coverage starts on our Westwood One broadcast. Uh, Look, it's going to be a fun ending of the tournament, and we will discuss it all with you next weekend. We are, Sports Wrap is back, and we will be back with you Saturdays at 6 o'clock and Sundays at 6 o'clock. So make sure you clear out the schedule and uh, tune in because we're going to have a ton of fun. Nick Roddy, thank you. Uh, Appreciate you, and we will be back with you next weekend. I'm Chris Renwick saying so long sports wrap back on WJR.